Yeah, I don't know, man. You ever just feel like life is just catapulting towards like, some greater purpose? The only DJ crazy enough to tattoo Jackie Brown on his ass. <laughs> this is Michael Mann, and I ride with extended clip. All of our hands are acting as one, you know. See, this podcast is all about things perfectly syncing up because that's always what happens. I don't think we've ever had a problem with audio. I don't think we've ever had a problem getting a hold of a guest. I don't mm-hmm. think we've ever had anything be, as, like that. As far as the audience knows, not really. You know what I mean? This yeah. is a professional joint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and speaking of joints, who, who rolls them better than Spike Lee, uh, the auteur mm-hmm. of one of our films True. today? Welcome to Extended Clip. I'm one of your hosts, Eddie Averill. I'm Malcolm Baum. I'm JT White. And joining us from somewhere in the Pacific time zone region, undisclosed, uh, is our friend. <laughs> you may know him uh, previously of the Seeking Derangements podcast, just currently uh, just of being a, a great guy. It's just our friend, being myself. A uh, great guy. It's our friend Palma. What's up, dude? Hello, everyone. Hi, guys. Very, very lovely of you to have me here. Oh, we talk about two beautiful uh, monolithic pieces of of art. Yeah, we've been uh, waiting a minute for this one on the extended clip reunion tour. You know, we're talking early 40s in one timeline and early 2000s in the other. It's like, you know, just after uh, Y2K, just before 9-11 just before 9-11, and in 1941, it's Hells a Poppin', maybe just before the 20th century's 9-11, a.k.a. <laughs> fella named Adolf Hitler. <laughs> uh, yeah. Did Y2K, I don't, I'm kind of, I'm like, I'm skeptical of Y2K. I feel like it wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah, I forgot about Y2K until the Cedric bit in this that True, referenced yeah. it. I was like, oh, yeah, that was a thing. I remember uh, them covering the Y2K controversy on the Dilbert TV show. That's how I remember it. <laughs> I, re- I remember <laughs> as a kid, basically, like, my dad explained it to me as, like, it, th- they run out of numbers on the calculator, basically, so the computers are all going to explode. And I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Can't they just make more? Uh, yeah, yeah, they just make a smaller font, kind of. People were kind of dumb to get duped by Y2K, kind of, huh? Yeah, it's just a, a number. Book. It's not It's not even like a 789 scenario. It's like... <laughs> It is. It is uh, like what a really dumb hick would imagine. Like the War of the Worlds. Like uh, it, it kind of gives off that that um, that impression. But in reality, it's just like oh yeah, like some Down uh, syndrome fetuses in England got aborted on accident because like they forgot to carry the one. Oh yeah, I forgot that there was a slight a slight fallout from the Y two K computation yeah. error. And uh, that fallout has resulted in, uh, you know, a lot of 21st century UK garage music. Uh, (laughs) I'm kind of lost here. Directly responsible for the rise of PC music. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still thinking about 789. That is a little bit scarier than Y2K, huh? Yeah, there are much scarier uh, numeric situations. (laughs) We're always talking about triple six. What about 789? (laughs) This is way too stupid. Let's reel it in here. Uh, the double feature, of course. 
1941's Hell's a Poppin', directed by everybody's favorite classic Hollywood auteur H.C. Potter, and starring everyone's favorite classic Hollywood two-man comedy duo, Olsen and Johnson, with an appearance from everybody's favorite stooge, Shemp. Uh, this is like the B-movie of B-movies, but at the same time, it's like one of the most inventive movies of the 1940s. Uh, it's, you know, coming directly after Citizen Kane, and obviously you think it's a lofty comparison until you realize there's a there's a cameo from the Rosebud sled in this movie True. directly invoking it. And uh, it, on one end of the spectrum, you have Citizen Kane, you have the the serious film you have the drama you have what can you do with film form to create a dramatic story and in hell's a poppin you're asking a similar question with what can you do with the film form to make a somewhat tasteless ridiculous absurdist (laughs) comedy uh and the results are wonderful yeah, the results are, you know, straight hellfire. <laughs> JT, had you seen this one before? Um, yeah, I had, I think actually just last year for the first time. So it was a pleasure to revisit this again so soon. And I just, I don't know, there's something about the time period of like, I don't know, 40s, 50s style, like screwball, like ga- like heavy gag comedies that just work. Like, I don't know, there's something about like... Uh, the way they i this is a weird thing to take note of but i was looking at the like the 40s underwear when they're doing the oh, gag when they yes. rip off the pants that are yes. like some way it, like they're somewhere in between like shorts and a diaper um <laughs> <laughs> and uh i don't know just all the elements were there for just like we like just weird little like types of gags like i think we talked about it like in the last episode where there's like that sort of holdover like vaudeville humor from this era where it's just like a person not being able to read but you're getting like millions of those vaudeville style gags like one after one um palma i had a question why was it this pairing of films that you wanted to bring on and more specifically what is it about like hell's a poppin that uh makes it a fave for you yeah, well, Hell's a Poppin' for me uh, always seemed to be... I mean, I, I saw it for the first time, like, what, two years ago, three years ago, maybe? It, n- not a very long time ago, but I came across it, and it kind of became, like, this um, like this alternative, you know? Like, for uh, what, what um, accessible, uh, funny theater could be, like, on the screen, you know what I mean? Like, there, there's, there's not a lot of interactivity with the audience, uh, outside of like I don't know like the Rocky Horror Picture Show uh, or like one of those like showings of the room where Greg Sestero shows up and does his little you know his uh, dancing for for the you know all the weirdos who love the room. Um, <laughs> it's it's uh, it, it it delivers on a promise of something more than that. Like it in- includes so much more, and it's just a a, a fantastic. Uh, I, I know like I sound like I'm on Molly, but uh, this is just the effect the movie has on me. It's such a joyous film, you know? Uh, it also happens to be like really fucking funny. Uh, like even on the gags that really date it, um, like the underwear gags, you know, like that's a very 40s thing to have, you know, like with the, I don't know, you guys have probably seen like the mom and Jerry where Mammy shows up, you know what I mean? The same get up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it's hilarious every single time. And yeah. like when they do the the cab bit at the very beginning, uh, that one's always uh, always very funny as well. Yeah, I love the uh, the cabbie in that bit. The it, within the film, within the film for the opening, being uh, their bodyguard. Who you know, the joke of right. it is he's their bodyguard, and he is maybe four <laughs> foot five. Uh, and it's very there's a lot of just base cruel humor like that. A yeah. lot of the humor is very literalist and prop based. You know, uh, someone yes. will say a, a pun, and then uh, the pun is kind of the setup, and then there will be a physical manifestation as the punchline and you know what that's a great way to bring something to life there, there's so many you know um there's so many aspects of this movie that feel directly torn from the stage which this is based on a stage play of the same name by the same two comedians uh but i feel like they alongside the director are trying to bring it to life as cinema as much as possible really making a concerted effort to do so and that's why you have all of these like trick photography based gags yeah you know it is it is does kind of almost seem like a a movie from like you know some somewhat of a outsiders of the medium mm -hmm. you know i guess i guess almost in a way people say you know kane was right or but like there's more of a emphasis on like you know, kind of uh, doing more daring things, you know, within the movie. And uh, I, I, f I feel like that and kind of like, you know, even though it is like some of it's like kind of pun based or whatever, there, there's definitely kind of like a modern sense of like, uh, like uh, reveling in the lack of decency that's yeah. going on here that feels very, yes. v very modern, you know, that, you know, like, like uh, we were talking about the underwear, right? It's like we're seeing a lot of underwear, a lot of a lot of skin in this movie. I mean, we oh my start God, a lot of opening. sexual assault too. Yeah, yeah. well, well that, that is well, essay as we call it here. But um, oh, I thought uh, you were gonna say S and M. S and M. No, that's a. I mean, that's a it's presented as a victimless thing. crime here. So I'm yeah. just gonna, well, going it's, to yeah. suspend it's disbelief. It's yeah, the, the devil hell. doing well, it. Well, that's it, is it starts the devil. like yeah. the opening of this movie starts in hell, and it is like you got. Like women on like hot dogs, like rotators. Yeah. Like no man is wearing any more clothes than just like a silk devil mask and underwear. Yeah. It's very uh, off-putting to say the least. But it's letting you know where they're coming from. Yeah, you know? yeah. People yeah. are rotating on spits and people are getting poked in the buns with torches. And it's, Ouch. Uh, yeah, it's classic uh, hell humor. You yeah. Know? <laughs> but I do love that it like makes such a point of this movie just being the movie from hell as richard lewis would say uh, yes and like it just treats every aspect of it like that you know the obligatory story and romance that come about uh the way that it like launches into the actual story within the story that makes the movie because the framing devices these two comedians you know they want to make this movie but these studio guys are like you have to add a romance you have to have a screenwriter you know so the way we start watching the actual movies with them doing like a proto mystery science theater thing yeah, over it yeah, yeah. they're like oh what, what's this guy doing pulling up into this party this guy looks like a schmuck you know whatever yeah. Uh, and then we start being in that movie. So obviously the characters are so, you know, distanced from this and like making fun of the material as it goes. Because even by 1940, uh, you know, Hollywood genre storytelling had been so codified that people were able to just see through all the holes of it and make fun of it. I love that it's like doing that sort of like meta ironic distance with it. But there's also, like, still a lot of very, like, tender, like, b 
beautiful, graceful moments that exist. And I mean, a lot of that is through the musical numbers there. And I mean, there's still like gags within some of those sequences, but like it would be very easy to do something like this and then just incorporate like being very flippant about the plot and have it. I don't want to say seem like artless, but like just focus on solely on gags. And this is such a huge like performance based movie that it does give, I don't know, a little bit of a spotlight to those performances that are just like, I don't know, really impressive. Without like yeah. that. Whole- I mean, I, I think it's very fun. So I need to add a little, a little something here. Uh, I feel like this is the movie that Barton Fink would have made if he got any pussy to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, instead yeah. he was a little too taken with uh, the male wrestling form. I don't know what that was all about. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like, you know, without kind of like that Hollywood uh, workmanship that just was like the standard bottom line, mm-hmm. you know, this movie could feel like a, like a Zucker Brothers movie or something yeah. like that, you know, and it is like that is the difference between like any type of movie now where they, they try to do that where it's like there's an ironic remove from the plot. You know, when it's yeah. actually time for the musical sequences, you know what I mean? They don't put in that same effort that we see. Here. The musical sequences are actually they're very well done. They're good. And they're yeah, kind of yeah. tossed off. It's like a, it's a common thing you see in the time in a lot of B movies, you know, even something like Singing in the Rain, where the musical soundtrack is just things that had previously been in movies by that studio. So, you know, budget free, you don't have to write any new songs, anything like that. You have these old classics that you could do a new rendition of. And it was kind of like a lazy cheat back then. But the the basic competency, as you say, is at such a high level that these kind of tossed off really filler musical sequences for the most part are super exciting and, and very wonderful. And, uh, you know, a lot of them are uh, just very, you know, full of light humor, which I know Malcolm is a huge fan of, you know, a lot of nice light humor. <laughs> just to, a little mirthful chuckle. Yeah, there. to cut yeah. down some of the real, you know, nasty stuff that goes on. Yeah, that's good. You need that. You need that balance. But that is with the exception of one musical number, which is the high point of the movie for me. It doesn't have to do with comedy at all. It is the dance number, uh, the Lindy Hop, where uh, in the story within the story, the people who are working at this big house, uh, all the, you know, black cast of the movie combined right here, uh, start, you know, jamming on some music gets into some kind of hard bop kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and then everyone just starts dancing and it is some of the most like aggressive and intense dancing you could see in a movie from this period it is just like uh i don't know It, it just brings such a ruthless abandon in its energy in a way that you don't see in any other it's it's very much before it's time yeah, you don't hear, you don't see anything similar until like, I don't know, uh, I'm not a huge musical guy and I'm not like uh, super into choreography, but it reminded me of like, I don't know, like some 60s stuff. Like Yeah, um, totally. I mean, the studio yeah, yeah. system, there were obviously fucking incredible choreographed musical numbers. But it was, it's more numbers. like what it's the white dancers are doing in, yeah, exactly. in the play, for example. It's that That is what they're doing. They're doing like a little two-step thing yeah. uh, with a very, you know, plotty, uh, like uh, four on the floor or, or uh, two two over two beat you know like very bum 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 this and that and this and that never changing and they're just like doing the high step you know that's the thing like a can can 
And these guys are fucking going balls to the wall. Like they're doing pirouettes. They're doing like ballet shit. Yeah. It's, it's really something. They're to, just to throwing really, each other really all sick. over the place. It's yeah. insane. And it's just the movie gives it so much time to breathe and exist as a set piece. Uh, just before you lead into the chaos that wraps the story within the story up. But you just, uh, there's, there's nothing really you could say other than that that sequence fucking rocks and you got to look it up you got to yeah. watch it it's so awesome do yourself a huge favor and yeah stop stop the podcast right now watch the whole five <laughs> minutes come back that will be right here for Keep you the podcast rolling you got to go second screen experience here. yeah screen and screen we, yeah that's yes, number yes. one number one thing about hosting a podcast never tell them to not listen to the <laughs> podcast they will never come right. back yeah <laughs> edit that out and, and uh, yeah. uh you know you know what just uh take uh Take a solid five minutes. Uh, we're going to talk some bullshit over here. Uh, uh, put yeah. this on another screen. Uh, may maybe mute it if you want. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Sync exactly. it, play it backwards, and there's this hidden message within the podcast. And yeah. We're kind of giving you a mission. You got to sync it up to the discussion. There, there oh, is no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Hey, Pops, keep that beat a beat. I feel a rhythmic brainstorm coming on. One, two, keep that rhythm heating. One more riff like that and I'll be gone. Oh, man, don't stop now. We're jumping. Give everything to Lord now. This thing might turn into something. I'm mistaken. Here comes something now. I would like to note about the music that it's uh, Slim Gaillard uh, doing the doing the music, um, and he's uh, a very great, a very good uh, jazz guitarist. Jazz and uh, I guess like jump blues, which is what they used to call what became rock and roll eventually. Okay, uh, you know what what uh, white people white people yeah. stole. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's absolutely wonderful. I mean that that jazz uh, that, that dance sequence. It starts out really low key because you don't really expect it to last very long it feels like a non sequitur that's not going to last very long and it turns out to be like it's like the scene in fantasia where mickey mouse is you know uh, puts the wizard hat on and shit you know it, it it feels like that within the movie like something snaps and uh it's completely different like the ch the tone shifts you realize that it's uh, a lot deeper than just uh jokes about the um uh, the lady that the nobody wants to fuck. <laughs> yeah, like the projectionist trying to trying to get some pussy between the uh, real changes. Oh yeah, <laughs> Shemp playing the horny projectionist is hilarious. Uh, oh, that's so sick. Uh, touch every time I see I get hot and cold at the same time. Give me your lips when you touch. I will not. Louie, Louie, rewind the film. Oh come on, Louie. We've been keeping steady company now for two days, haven't we? Hey Louie, don't go away. Rewind this film, will ya? What's the matter with you guys? Don't you know you can't talk to me and the audience? Well, we're doing it, aren't we? Yes, folks. <laughs> this is hell's a poppin'. <laughs> Apparently, those were added, those scenes were added without the director's consent. The director wanted this to be like, there was no reverse shots back to the projectionist. All these references were for the audience to figure that the characters were talking to the projectionist at their theater. 
Yeah. And the Universal executives were like, that makes no fucking sense. Uh, people will be so I mean, it makes sense in the, in, in the context of theater work, you know, like where yeah, you totally. have... Yeah, yeah. Like it, it's it's within the theater. The audience is clued into the fact that oh yeah, like there's a director, there's a stage manager, like there's there's script kids and all that going around. In movies, all that is deliberately obscured. Like there's no, um, you're better off not thinking about it. So when yeah. it is revealed, I think it it was a good decision to have it. Uh, you know, have those reverse shots in the movie anyway, because at least it 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 doesn't. Uh, it helps explain itself to people who don't have that as a frame of reference for who don't have that in mind and their top of mind when they're watching the movie. Mm-hmm. So like when we're watching it on our flat screen, flat screen TVs at home in the 21st century, we can uh, get the joke, I guess a little True. bit easier uh, rather than like, I don't know, having, uh, having Ole and Johnson, Olson and Johnson talk about Alexa, uh, stop, stop rubbing your pussy and get a uh, change the soundtrack or whatever. That's that's a sick thing to say. To your, like abuse your smart. It's like stop rubbing your pussy and recommend me a song, Alexa. Um, now Kimmy would have been a much better movie if those were the kinds of commands said. <laughs> get up off your ass. Um, no, but like the, I, in a way, you know that the the dynamic of like a. There being like this projectionist that we cut to, it, it just there's so many different like weird layers to mm-hmm. this movie that makes it just feel like it could go anywhere. I mean, same could be said about the musical sequence we were previously talking about. You know, it is like you're going from you know there's the story and then there's like you know Olson and Johnson who are at a remove who are trying to steer the story in like a certain direction, mm-hmm. and you know the studio and the, the projectionist, you know, you, you really do feel every aspect of the film. And, you know, that's why it, it feels like anything could happen in this movie. Well, you know, that, that's, it, there's such a free flowingness to its, its sense of humor, even if it's like, you know, the director, I guess, well, didn't yeah, intend mo- for those scenes, but it just adds another ball to the, you know, juggling. Yeah. Truly. And, and, and it's, it's, it's more than that. It's, it's like, um, um, like it, it gives it a sense of production, you know. It it pulls the, the curtain back and shows you all the, you know, four-eyed nerds, uh, you know, that th- that have a say in, in in this movie and are involved, you know, from the annoying extras, the studio visitors, the st- stupid writer, your 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 little uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, I can't forget it. I, I always call him Barton Fink. I don't remember his name. Oh, the screenwriter uh, guy. Yeah. The screenwriter guy, yeah, 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 but yeah, all, all of those are 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 you know part of the show in a way, in a way that like uh, Hell's a Pop and the stage show it used to be like that, you know, it used to be a very participatory type of uh, stage production where you have it's like the Pirates of Penzance where you have like someone from the audience getting fake married to one of the pirates, uh, or you know, there's like an element of audience participation that uh, you don't get a lot in movies. That sounds odd. I didn't know about that. Uh, Pirates of Penzance. You get married to a pirate when you go to that show? That sounds awesome. I, I think, yeah. Or at least the production I saw when I was in middle school. We went out to like a, a Shakespeare festival. And uh, they, they were, were showing the Pirates of Penzance. Were you lucky enough to be the one that got married? Sadly, no. It was uh, a much better looking twink uh, who was in, <laughs> who was in uh, you know I think, uh, junior high school. Of course. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, no. This this is uh that was like this was in San Francisco, honey. That's just the San Francisco Pirates. <laughs> yeah, they got another word for San Francisco Pirates, if you know what I mean. 
Uh, so, Before it, oh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I love the finale of the movie after that, where they're essentially doing the producers before the producers and just, you know, wrecking their own <laughs> stage show in the best way possible after being invisible for 15 minutes. Yeah. Which is yes. So funny. Yes. Uh, it, being half invisible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and also leading to a gag from Duck Amuck, which would come like 10 years later, where, you know, the frame is caught. Uh, it, it, and the projectionist is trying to even it out and it looks like they're climbing into the next frame almost you know a little fella named Daffy Duck would do that just a few short years later uh, this is also reminiscent of uh, another one Daffy Duck in Hollywood uh, there's a great sequence in that where you know Daffy Duck mixes a bunch of a bunch of reels up to make his masterpiece movie uh and just like it's a bunch of movies combined and then in this it invokes that when the projectionist uh i guess spools up the wrong reel and they're suddenly in a western for a minute uh and either olsen Mm. or johnson says you know get out of here you you fake hollywood indian or whatever But uh, yeah, the Looney Tunes quality of this movie is uh, not to be missed for sure. Oh, I mean, it's it's a crazy aspect of. I mean, there's like scenes where like, uh, especially the be- the beginning is such like a mm-hmm. hodgepodge of just like random jokes and like kind of like I love that sequence where they keep walking through like the studio rooms and they're in like a different movie, like a mm-hmm. like a period piece or like you know, and the there's just a lot of uh, different characters there that you know their main thing their main skill is to just like run around like the fake royal you know that the mm-hmm. the the undesirable w- woman in the movies chasing after i mean that guy's he's just there to run around the screen for the most part you know and i mean like uh run laps around the movie it is uh you know just different characters like that that have different comedic functions to where you know this is this is a movie you know uh, fully in service and like of comedy, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, we've been talking about like, uh, you know, all the, you know, uh, the competency of the musical sequences, but even like when it's some of the more like traditional romance moments, right? They, they do the meta thing. They're like stinky Johnson. If you're here, like yeah. leave oh, yeah. so good. stinky John. Like it is, by the way, if stinky Johnson listening to this podcast, <laughs> fuck off. Yeah. Goes into blank check. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of in like in jokes like that. It's just it's just chock loaded full of shit, and it's like eighty minutes that makes it so enjoyable. Yeah, I love this movie. The, I, the first ten, the first ten minutes is all you really need, and yeah. and uh, e- even that is too much. Like the first five minutes, if you're not hooked within the first five minutes, you have no soul. You have no business watching this movie. Go watch like something else. Go watch how it's made if you want a, a big thrill. Go watch like a, a Czech movie or a Swedish movie. Yeah, go or watch something. a Czech new wave movie. <laughs> That might be a little more. Uh, it might be a little more. Go watch. Go watch the sun. Video. Go watch the sun in a net, which is a wonderful uh, Czechoslovak uh, film from 1962. It de- deals with a young child's discovery of his sexual being. All that. Uh, I'm sure Wait, you would enjoy that a much young more. Child, sexual. I I don't know about this. I'm gonna get Palma giving uh, child it's, porn it's, recommendations <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> it's European, okay. It's oh, it's sophisticated. Okay, okay. No, no, he's We've not. He's not that young. Before. But he's. It's it's a really it's a really good movie. You guys should probably watch it. Maybe right. maybe on another. Okay, that sounds clip. like a great wreck. Watch I, the uh, sun in a net. Speaking of great movies, this one is a great movie, and I'm going to give it four and a half out of a possible five bullets with my gun of film criticism. Yes, uh, I I think that. 
maybe the funniest thing in the whole movie is uh, when the bear almost gets shot and he's like, you missed me. <laughs> you need to wear glasses. <laughs> that is a great one. That is the hardest it- I've laughed in so long. And I knew it was coming, too. I was waiting for the talking bear the whole fucking movie. And it comes 83 I've- out of 84 minutes in and it killed me. <laughs> the punch-up for that joke is almost so perfect, too, because it yeah. cuts to two dogs and they were like, oh my gosh, a talking bear. Yeah. <laughs> where, were you, where were you have heard of such a funny thing? <laughs> and then cut to the next thing, you know? <laughs> so good. Malcolm, any uh, final thoughts on a score? Yeah, I'm going to, you know, give this four and a half. Uh, not bullets, but like those guns where it shoots out. and it like has blanks? A, a, no, it has a flag that says bang. Oh, okay. I'm giving it four and a half Bringing that back. We haven't used that skill since our Joker episode. True, I think. yeah. I need, I, I need to buy one of those guns. That is, that is, <laughs> I'm getting into like. Just gun, carry it out in public. I, I want like a, like an automatic machine gun, but then well, when you do I that, think it just flags keep. The transcription bang, bang, of the bang, podcast bang, bang, just bang. got us on so many lists. Like more than child, child pornography recommendations from Palma. You're just saying, I need to buy a gun. (laughs) I need to buy a gun. Thank you very much for covering for me. I really appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah, if anyone has any gun offers, DM. Um, I'm willing to buy a gun for a a thing I have to do. Um, But, no, yeah, this movie, I've, you know, this movie, I've heard about this movie before and everyone, you know, like, this is the zaniest, you know, movie in an era of zany movies and it's, I mean, they're absolutely right. It really lives mm-hmm. up to the hype, and I, I couldn't, you know, this movie has a joke every 10 seconds. It's su- very entertaining, and I, I, I can't find much wrong with it. JT, what about you? Um, Yeah, I'm going five bullets. I uh, love this movie. The Especially just I, I, the way it's able to, like, volley around from those, like, lighter jokes and also just, like, really dark, cynical stuff is just so... I don't know, like, surprising for the time. Like, the amount of times that characters in this are, like, implied to have, like, shot themselves, like, dead (laughs) off screen is so sick. Or other characters Um, getting shot for being annoying. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, I don't know. This is just such a perfect pairing of films. Because not to get ahead of ourselves and talk too much about uh, Kings of Comedy... I just feel like this, like, is the perfect, like, A-side. Like, talking about, like, bringing, like, a theatrical and, like, performative quality from stage performance to the movies. Literally putting on a show, you know, for the entire theater. And and that is something that both movies do. With, like, formal elements. Palma, Uh, our guest. These two have a... What about... Oh, uh, sorry, go on. Oh, no, I was just going to throw it right back to you. Well, any final thoughts on this movie and a scale of... A, a rating, that is. On a scale of one to five bullets. Damn, I can't bring the whole... Like, the Glock 16? Uh, unfortunately, we are limited on this one. We are, we have the very um, rare five-shot pistol on this podcast. <laughs> 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 all right, I'm, I'm going all five here. Movie fully deserves it. It's a fantastic. Plus, it's eighty minutes. What do you have to lose? Yeah. Like you're 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 kidding yourself if if you think like oh fuck like I can't I gotta watch first cow, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I got first cow on the watch list. It can't be. Damn. God. Right card catching the stray. But it's I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, fuck that. Don't don't bother rewatching Tar. Tar was fine. Watch this. 
get get really stoned or or drunk and uh, have a gander at Hells of Poppin. I swear to God, if it's not if it's not in your flesh, like within the first five minutes, you know how like some movies have that, like uh, Stop Making Sense by Talking mm-hmm. Heads is like another one of those movies that where the show ca- kind of has you by the throat. I don't know how uh, any other way to put it, but yeah. like this is exactly the same way. It's it's magnetic almost. Um, and, and it's also really fucking fun. Even the the parts that are kind of cringy, like the the Russian uh, prince uh, storyline, where they kind of get their, their busted friend. I kind of like that. <laughs> 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 yeah, like that 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 was a bit of a snooze. You can probably like I don't know. Uh, skip forward a little bit if you have ADHD. You have my permission. Every other part, every other part, amazing. Well, the guns are hot this week, um, so we'll be right back on extended clip, and we'll leave you with this gun by John Cale. Oh, <laughs> you missed me. You need glasses. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's been a labor of love. I think it's uh, almost at a thousand uh, tracks now. Ooh. I lost count. It's sick. Yeah, I've definitely, I've yeah, definitely no, played I'm, that before too. It's great, man. I'm a, I'm a big fan of it myself. I'm, I I don't want it to sound or, or come off like I'm sniffing my own farts a lot, but I, that that is <laughs> what I listen to all the fucking time. I love sniffing my own farts. What's wrong with that? Wait, is that what you said? <laughs> that you don't want to sound like? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just making sure I didn't die. <laughs> you just weren't saying that? Yeah. Just impulsively wanted to talk about sniffing my own foits. It sounds like... It sounds like You me. guys might not believe it, but I really don't like sniffing my own farts. <laughs> Contrary to popular belief. <laughs> yeah. Some people are really into that kind of thing. I think it's like mid at best. <laughs> All right. Are we ready to uh, talk a little bit about some movies? Yeah. Let's Let's fucking do it. We're back on extended clip. The segment is everybody's favorite segment. Malcolm in the middle. Life is unfair. It still is. It still is unfair. We're, we're, All these years 
later. How? I mean, it, you said last time we did this segment, you actually said life is too fair. Too you said that you said fair. that things were going great. Life, yeah, life is. I still stand by that. But uh, life is too fair. You still but, stand but by we're that. St- but we're still. I mean, we're still reporting live from the fucking gutter, dude. Trust uh-huh. me, we're still keeping it. We're still keeping it street as fuck. So. <laughs> All right. Well, that's kind of two contrary things, but that's fine. Sometimes uh, we all contain multitudes, and yeah. uh, I'm going to talk about one and a half kind of movies from 1939 real quick uh, for my little contribution here. 1939, for me, the obvious one is Young Mr. Lincoln uh, by none other than John Ford. This is maybe his like first full on masterpiece about, you know, American history and reflecting upon it and the things that might not be so black and white that appeared so at first. And, you know, it all comes down to a young Lincoln, you know, getting a interest in the law and reading the book of the law and coming to the conclusion that it all comes down to right and wrong. And whether that's, you know, uh, emancipation of a race or uh, a pie judging contest that he takes place in in the movie, it's all treated with equal grace by Mr. Ford, the greatest of all time. It's like that Ford made like both like pro-Confederacy movies and pro-Lincoln <laughs> movies. Like that's kind of a... It, it's all about, you know, bridge. It, it's such a divisive time it's in our country. It's being a centrist. It, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, that's, you got to hear both sides. That's DW's, yeah. DW swag, DW Griffith type, you know. Yeah. Well, on the other end of the spectrum, one that DW might have appreciated more was a little cartoon by our old friend Chuck Jones, who we've, you know, never be we would never be smirched Chuck Jones on the podcast, except for 1939's Old Glory. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this one, but... uh, Oh, yeah, that one sucks dick. (laughs) Yeah, no, this one is like uh, Porky Pig is like... uh, He, like, doesn't want to learn the... It's not that he doesn't want to learn the Pledge of Allegiance. It's that he's too stupid to do it. So, like, (laughs) Uncle Sam comes to him and he's like, let me tell you about how great America is and that'll inspire you to memorize the Pledge of Allegiance, you fucking stupid pig. And uh, it's just, like, really stupid second-grade history lessons. Uh, The Looney Tunes animation, it's always going to be good. And, like, there's actually some pretty cool frames in it. But, man, when I watch a Looney Tune, I want that hell's a-poppin' feeling. I don't want to be in a second grade u.s history class uh one of the probably my least favorite looney tune including all of the racist ones um so (laughs) does anyone want to talk about the films of 1940 uh yeah i'll I'll keep the ford train going and i i'll talk about the grapes of wrath which is actually that's my uh finnegan's wake or whatever that's uh it's my uh everywhere you mean that's your finnegan's wake that's that's my everything (laughs) everywhere all at once um No, it's it's a story about uh, my own personal history. It's about uh, okay. the the Okies, the story of the Okies. Of Wait, are you saying people treat Finnegan's Wake like every every or Sherman's I, March? I don't know. I don't. Yeah, you know, I haven't seen any of it's this. It's best. But. It's best we just move past this personal racial history. That's what I meant. And um, the I'll great- show you a personal <laughs> racial history, please. I you know, it's I'm so I'm oh. so American. It's all jumbled up. Um, Grapes of Wrath, it's about people in the Oklahoma Dust Bowl, you know, and that happening and a lot of uh, farms getting foreclosed. And so they make their their trek. And that's, you know, that's that's what happened to to my ancestors. But I, you know, my own personal story aside, I mean, I love this movie and Henry Fonda does the great like every man, 
man against the you know man the world's against this guy type of you know just struggle you see really see a struggle and i kind of like how it starts too he's kind of uh he's fresh out of jail and he kind of just like comes back to the farm and like uh realizes that there's no one there and he kind of just uh it kind of just opens with him kind of creeping around kind of you know coming to that realization and i don't know i feel like all the melodrama and all that stuff is you know done very well and it's very moving on a very you know just kind of standard level and uh just anchored by that fonda performance so yeah definitely one of my favorite fords fonda classic uh nobody believes in us guy (laughs) yeah exactly exactly uh skipping way ahead to timeline b how are we gonna how are we gonna be ready for y2k with the films of 1999 who has one that they want to briefly mention um yeah i can rap a little bit about uh bringing out the dead um i feel like i i watched it pretty recently and like i don't know it's obviously scorsese schrader collab so i feel like that adds a lot of weight going in but i I just overall i'm like blown away because i feel like it's similar to hell's a poppin in terms of like just having like a manic energy and like bringing out the dead of course like veers more insanely demonic but I feel like it's still like I mean, save for like the ha- the latter half of the movie. But when uh, Cage is just sort of like getting fucked up in the ambulance with John Goodman in the first half, it's still like there's it's pretty funny at points. Um, and then also like when like Sizemore comes in and like he's spending time with Sizemore. Like, great performance from him, but it doesn't feel like, I don't know, much of a stretch because he's just trying to uh, incite, like, uh, racial violence with Cage. Um, and they're, the, like, I don't know. It, it just is picking up such a manic pace and just, from the very beginning, I feel like you don't think it can get any, like, faster or crazier, but it just keeps going um, and ratcheting things up as Cage becomes like more nihilistic about his profession, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a great time. Sizemore, what a god of human. It's a decency. very uplifting mu- movie about yeah. love and human compassion. <laughs> yeah, that movie is that it's very wholesome, guys. Sold, <laughs> you sold that. Watch it with your mother. It's funny because, uh, yeah, you say that like it's still funny at points. And Scorsese is up there with guys who, no matter how dark and gritty the material is the movie's always going to be funny like him pta you're always going to get no matter how like a dark of a drama even it is maybe scorsese's out and out dramas aren't that funny like age of innocence but all of his crime movies are fucking hilarious yeah i I would say yeah this there's definitely some funny moments definitely at the start but like this is this movie is probably one of the sadder movies in scorsese's filmography it's definitely pretty downer it also kind of has like that late '90s twinge, like of uh, like isn't there like a rock song in it or something like in it? I don't. I might be misremembering. I, I would. I would not doubt that there is yeah. a rock song. But you know what? This is a <laughs> pro rock song podcast. No, I didn't. I didn't mean that in like a, any sort of way or anything. <laughs> Eddie's so defensive of rock music. All right, it's just. A, <laughs> It's time I finally came out as a rockist. Oh, you, know? you like rock? I didn't know you liked rock music. It's it's from a, a very special era in which every single like uh, director who specialized in drama movies uh, all of a sudden all s- suddenly discovered 
Tool, the band. Yeah, yeah I, I think Nails. the funniest example of that for 1999, of course, is freaking the ultimate uh, mind fuck needle drop. The end of Fight Club being Where Is My Mind by the Pixies. Yeah, uh, kind of like a so moody. Funny. There's definitely like some sort of moody rock song that plays in that movie. That Yeah, I mean, yeah. 1999, I'm just looking at the posters right now and I associate some sort of pop rocks. I mean, Magnolia is a full on Amy Mann singer songwriter yeah. soundtrack. I don't get me started on Magnolia. Oh, Oh God, no. we don't have look. No. Amy Mann's a friend of the podcast. True, you know, yeah. we got <laughs> that would be cool. Imagine we just have like a famous singer songwriter you wouldn't expect to be friends with us. I, I got a couple friends like that. You're friends with Amy Mann. Well, not you know people like her. Okay. Uh, speaking of also rock music, Summer of Sam. You have Adrian Brody as like the punk who loves the Who. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's very funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, moving on to two thousand. Um, 2000. Paul, did you yeah, have a film uh, to talk about from uh, post Y2K? Yes. I mean, I had a, I, I watched a little thing called Nine Queens. It's an Argentinian movie. Uh, I wanted to watch La Cienega, which people are talking about because it got reissued, I think, recently by Criterion. I clicked on the wrong thing and I got Nine Queens instead, which is from a year earlier. It's a Argentinian heist slash con movie like uh, in, in the vein of um, shoot, like David Mamet, you know, like Argentinian David okay. Mamet, which is absolutely amazing. I mean, you think you don't want it, but then you really, really, you, you, you watch it and you find out that it's absolutely brilliant. It has very, uh, it has what I like to call like a foreign, uh, like crack dialogue, you know what I mean? Where it's like, they, they're trying to emulate like the snappiness of like uh, 80s action movies of like, I don't know. Fuck it. I, it. It doesn't matter. Like, they're, they're trying to emulate, I don't know, like Fletch, okay? Like, they're trying to be, like, all uh, very funny and sly and cool and also, like, uh, you know, a little serious, too. Uh, it, it, it's, it's very endearing and it's aged very, very well. If you know Spanish, uh, go watch it without subtitles. Uh, if you don't know Spanish, the subtitles uh, you can find for it are usually pretty good. But if you don't um, know Spanish and you don't want to read, it should be good enough without the subtitles. <laughs> it should be good enough without the Mine's subtitles. Yeah, There's a lot right. of sexy Latinas getting, you know, uh, uh, you know, they, 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 they're getting conned. Uh, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah, no. It, it, it opens with uh, like a scene in in a gas station, and it's like this guy trying to do like uh, the, you know. Um, yeah, it's like some some con regarding change. You know, like get, I give you ten bucks, you give me twelve or whatever for change. Like, oh no, can you break this ten for me? You know, like <laughs> shit like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's like this extremely gorgeous, you know, like Argentinian, uh, possibly a model that they got to fill this bit role. And um, and you know, yeah, she's um, she's gorgeous. And then like the action starts. Like this this older older man uh, sees this young buck trying to scam this poor young sexy woman. And and he's like, yeah, don't 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 do that. Uh, like pays for his thing and like tells him, okay, I got you, I got fifty bucks. You can't uh, you know to to fuck off or whatever, or you can join my crew. And it 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 goes on from there. Like it's it's a very uh, trite, I guess, storyline, but it's done to absolute perfection and in Spanish, which I don't think, you know, lends itself too naturally to that. Yeah. Um, I think nowadays, I don't know, like the House of Paper or whatever it's called, the Casa de Papel, that got big in, in Spain. And it's like kind of the same thing. Real quick for 2001, I'm not going to go deep into any of these. I'm staring at posters right now and I am going to assign the listeners. 
This is this is how you play along Ooh. with the podcast at home. These are these are if we were still just kind of freestyling and picking any movies, these were these would all be extended clip episode double features that you, the listener, can view at home for thematic reasons and reasons of quality as well. Okay. Uh, one of them is going to be um, Shallow Hal by the Fairley Brothers, uh, paired with Love on a Diet by Johnny oh, wow. Toe. Yeah. These are both uh, fat suit comedies from 2001. Uh, you can also pair Ali by Michael Mann with Shaolin Soccer by Stephen Chow. A couple of fantastic sports movies, one drama, one comedy. Uh, you can also pair Pulse by Kiyoshi Kurosawa with All About Lily Shushu uh, by Shunji Iwai. Two fantastic Japanese films about the dangers of going on the computer. Damn. So that's, that's that for that segment. Um, we will be right back on Extended Clip to talk about the original Kings of Comedy. Your host is the one and only and we're back on extended clip we are talking about a very special spike lee joint for 2000 oh fuck I'm sorry. Do you know what we should have done instead? What? I literally just realized this. Dr. T and the women. Oh, my God. I know. We talked about this. We've we, done this. We, well, we've, we've talked about it on the podcast, but we, I think Paul I thought it was from 1999. I'm, I'm floored. Yeah, we, you know, we are like, I'm sitting under a VHS of Dr. T and the women that's mounted on the wall right now, you know? Like, we are living in the shadow of that movie. Sure. Yeah. You understand? <laughs> we should do like a, a deluxe Dr. T and the women revisited episode where we have yeah. like... Holy shit. That would be the first yeah, three hours on Dr. T and the women. Like we should have a Dr. T and the women symposium a, as the first uh, extended <laughs> clip live show. Yeah, exactly. yeah, a panel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we shift out the panel one guest at a time. It's an eight-hour episode. It's uh, three commentary <laughs> tracks embedded. You it's, know? A ma- it's a marathon that we're raising for... Uh, a w- woman charity, you know yeah. what I mean? Dude, I was at the fucking <laughs> a woman uh, charity. <laughs> a woman charity. I was at that botanical ga- garden. The uh, I, I was there in Dallas. I was yeah. feeling like Doctor T. I there. was feeling like Doctor. <laughs> feeling like Doctor T when I dropped down in Dallas. <laughs> God damn, dude. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that grip that movie has on all of us, and how fucking good it is. It's I mean, so it, good. L- let's let's take a moment to to put some do- praise on Doctor T. Give a, give another five bullets. Oh. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's funny because uh... we, we covered it on the podcast and like nobody cared at all. It was one of our least listened to episodes. And then like six My months God. later, six months later, Malcolm just starts posting the poster for Dr. T and the women on Twitter. <laughs> just, <laughs> and it becomes just like everyone has Dr. T fever. That was a cultural. I was trying to see <laughs> how much impact I had, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, I, you know, it was before a, it was a heat check. before Malcolm rewatched that. It was just like old dykes. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> women, women who are masturbating to fucking yeah a le- lesbianic uh, classic just straight yeah lesbians thinking and, about laura dern going retarded on them true. like dern and yeah she, she was nice. dr t loves women he 
truly loves women. Well, that's actually why we talked about it. The theme <laughs> yeah, of no, episodes I picked for it. that was uh, movies JT had jacked off to as a child. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't a very Christ. fruitful. My the secret with Doctor T and the women was it. It was not a. It's not a fruit bearing or I guess seed bearing jack off experience, but you see no. like you're scrolling through like uh, the premium movie channels as like an 11, 12 year old and you see a movie. Oh, it's about rated, a gynecologist? Rated, yeah, about a gynecologist, rated R, Dr. T and the women. You're you're bound to see some big titties with Laura Dern, Tara <laughs> Reid, Liv Tyler. I mean, True. Kate Hudson. All the hottest, like the the best case scenario for that as a, as an eleven year old is the highest highs. It is the Mount Everest <laughs> of like jack offable movies. Andy Richter, and you, get, and you get to learn a thing or two too. You kind of learn about yeah, exactly. And anyway, moving on to an, another very high on the. Uh, a Jack Off Ability uh, Index <laughs> film. The original Kings of Comedy. Starring the four sexiest men to ever grace True. the stage. And those crowd shots. Uh, st- oh, yes. Yeah. We'll get to that. Steve Harvey. Yes. D.L. Hughley. Oh. Cedric the Entertainer. And Steve of course, Harvey with hair. Oh, yes. And, of course, the headliner, the GOAT, R.I.P. Bernie Mac. Uh, this is a film by Damn. Spike Lee from 2000, and at this point, you know, since like <clears throat> Girl 6, after that, he was kind of alternating between his bigger fiction projects and kind of documentary projects that would either be kind of a quick buck for hire or be more of a passion project. Get on the bus and then Four Little Girls, and then he got game, you know, returning to a grand scale fiction uh, and then he does the John Leguizamo special, Freak. Uh, and then he does like a Pavarotti special, which is very <laughs> funny to think about. I really need to look into that because uh, there's a chance. I mean, if I watch it and there's a shot of Spike and Pavarotti together, oh. could that upstage be <laughs> Lou Reed and Pavarotti collaboration as the greatest Pavarotti collaboration? <laughs> uh, 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 I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. That duet is just too perfect that they did. Yeah. Um, but regardless of that, uh, so he did that. And then he did Summer of Sam, you know, a big Hollywood movie again. And then he does Kings of Comedy. And the one after that is Bamboozled. And I think that's really interesting because... With Kings of Comedy, he is shooting on digital video, very low res, transferred to film, and you have the digital noise and the film grain combined to make the image look really fucking dirty. Uh, And that's something that comes back in Bamboozled. Bamboozled is shot in standard def digital, and it looks really fucking dirty. And he's showing these things that are just like base. Like all the, a lot of these jokes are pretty mean that these guys are telling. You know, it's uh, it's kind of the ugly truth. These things that we're laughing at a lot of the times. You know, a critic could call a lot of the jokes in this movie misogynist, for one example. Uh, But you know, the thing is. Stand-up comedy and the comedy of Hell's a Poppin' and so much of the great comedy has been about being a little depraved, being a little bit of a sicko, you know? And uh, I think that the way that (laughs) Spike shoots the audience with this super low light, like shining one light on their faces uh, in this weird low-grade digital, like... 
I don't know. It's really immersive. It makes you feel like you're in just like this fucking hothouse club that is just on the verge of exploding and everyone's like sweating almost. It's uh, it's a very interesting way to shoot a special slash documentary. I, I thought it was interesting how the, the very highest, like the balcony, uh, yeah. like the second balcony, you can kind of see the rim of it, but the rest of it was not lit at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and and it, it might be just like a, a, a factor of... Uh, how old DV technology was back then, uh, and I, I don't know if th- this is I, this is a complete shot in the dark. I assume it's because like it's not uh, good at capturing uh, darker skin tones. And let's be honest, like most of the audience there is black, right? Well, here's the thing um, to counter that, and, and it's may- actually uh, really to agree with you, but from a different perspective, is that digital is better for low light in capturing people in low light. And that's right. probably what is going on right here is that there's almost no lighting because he wants it to feel like a real event yeah. where the crowd is totally dark. So you have these digital cameras cranking up the ISO or whatever all the way on them. So you can actually The, the, the see, noise is insane. Yeah, but it's so you can actually see people with yeah. dark skin tones faces in the crowd. And uh, it achieves, yeah, a very noisy image. But I like it. I, I, it's, as I said, very immersive, those crowd shots. Oh, yeah. And like very cleverly edited, too. Oh. I feel like they're always cutting to the right person. They're like the the camera people know the comedic routines to a point where the the setup is like about a lady who has crazy hair. And then you get a reaction shot from a lady with crazy hair, you know? I mean, yeah, there's that's what's great about this movie. Because, you know, I'm, these, this I'm 90 percent sure those yeah. are those are plants, but I'm willing yeah. to let it slide because it, yeah. it is at least like it's done well. Like they they find so sometimes you can hear like the laughter is pretty mm-hmm. canned. And, and like it's edited very cannily. Um, oh yeah, I mean they're going to sweep very cleverly, a little bit, obviously, uh, yeah. just to just but, to round uh, out the sound design. But never gratuitously, you know. Yeah. Like there's there's some specials, especially from this time. Like you see, like the the Paula Poundstone special, for example. Like that is all canned laughter. Oh, this of course, bitch is I know bombing. the Paula Poundstone specials like that. I can I, bring I, them right uh, to the front of my memory. <laughs> I, I have you have you not seen it? Like, I have it, not. It got, no. It's. It, I saw it on YouTube. Like, uh, it, it, this is like an elder YouTube like touchstone for yeah. me, uh, from like two thousand seven or two thousand eight. I used to be like an NPR head when I was in middle school. Sorry, I, I just got really sidetracked. Early YouTube, super rapid fire, super hot seat question. What's the first thing you ever looked up on YouTube? Oh, oh God, Smosh, probably Weird Al Yankovic. Songs. Weird Al Yankovic. Oh yeah, songs. Weird Al. Yeah, for yeah. me it was Family Guy. Don't stop believing. Oh yeah, peanut little peanut butter jelly action. Peanut butter jelly yeah, time. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But peanut butter jelly time. I saw that video on like E Bombs World. Yeah. That's why I found out about Family Guy. It was like E Bombs World. Really? Yeah. Which, when you think about <laughs> it, it kind of makes sense. Like the sense of humor of Family Guy was very, you know, early two thousands crude internet sidebar over. My aunt had uh, four, no, yeah, no, the first eight seasons, all eight seasons <laughs> that were out at the time on DVD. And I, I used to go out to, the, to my uncle's place for, for the summer and had a great fucking time just like sitting around all day eating pizza, watching fucking Family Guy nonstop. Ooh. Your uncle was um, the Family Guy for letting you do that. Dude, <laughs> absolutely. He, was the fu- he is the fucking man. He's, he's, <laughs> he's such a king. Yeah, shout out to him. So the form of this film, it's not like any other comedy special. It kind of treats it more like a documentary. You know, there, there's things that Spike directs that are more straight ahead. Like this is just like 
sometimes it doesn't even say a Spike Lee joint. It just says directed by Spike Lee, but mm -hmm. there's a fine line everywhere. But this one, I feel like he is really trying to make a film of his own the way that he interjects the more documentary stuff, the interviews, the parts where it's kind of staged riffing, stuff like that between the sets feels kind of artfully done and you know spike is clearly a fan of this kind of stuff and it, it, it's oh, all absolutely. done very lovingly i feel oh yeah uh compare that to you know he directed gerard carmichael's live at the store or i think it's called love at the really? store or Recent, something like, like that. recently it was like six years ago yeah um but there's no touch to that at all it's presented like a typical special you would see on showtime or hbo there's no yeah there's no spikely touch to it but you know that's the thing you take paycheck jobs. People people on Twitter got all up, you know, in their businesses about Spike Lee, you know, taking a bunch of money from the NYPD to do training videos, which, yeah. hey, look, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm just not going to say anything about that. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to bring <laughs> it up as a thing that people said. And I'm also going to say directors take for hire gigs. You know how I, many I, directors I, make their nut yearly directing commercials for credit cards, you know? I mean, I think it's it's I think the reason why Spike Lee gets so much shit is definitely held to a higher standard than mm -hmm. most directors in, in in regards to like, you know, his behavior or what he does is like cuz like he was such a bold and brash, you know, yeah. filmmaker that you know spoke about, you know, issues of like racism, inequality, whatever. Yeah. And you know, people are kind of you know, being a, you know upset that he lost his and he definitely did lose his edge to a certain extent or whatever. Yeah. But it's like, I don't know, man. It's like it's there's, I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of other things you could wag your finger at. But I think I think what's great about Spike Lee is like this kind of divide in his career where obviously he has movies, you know, that everyone's a fan of or whatever, and then he has this really rich documentarian uh, career. Whether it's like when the levees broke or whatever kind of, you know, serious subjects and like a bunch of like plays and comedy specials. So he kind of knows, you know, knows how to do kind of two different aspects. Yeah. And a of lot filmmaking. of times his yeah. authorship is just in the sense that he chose to direct that and help that person. Yeah. Out. Like yeah. Something like, um, yeah, like the Gerard Carmichael thing or a play that he'll direct. The plays he directs usually are thematically linked to stuff that he directs as movies. You know, it's yeah. like clearly he's doing that for that reason. He also directed uh, Kobe doing work, yeah. uh, which is a great... I, I really love that one. I mean, obviously, I grew up a, a Kobe stan. Uh, but that was just like a great documentary because it's like... There, there was like an art film about... I forgot what soccer player, but it was like uh, just Zidane. a full. It was the Zidane like full yeah. ninety minute thing or whatever, and that seemed a little like the way it was presented was kind of arty or whatever. But this one just kind of feels like an ESPN documentary or whatever. But it is literally just Kobe for a full game, mic'd up. Yeah, and uh, I think it's a, a the editing is very sly in the way that Spike wants to present Kobe and that. And look, you get some Sasha Vujicic threes in there. You have a great time. <laughs> yeah. No, he he's always worked very closely with his editor, uh, Barry Alexander Brown, mm -hmm. you know, and that's like a relationship, you know, he's had, you know, pretty much since the start of his career. And it really lends himself to like, especially the stand-up specials he directs because um, not only the crowd shots, which I feel like are so, so like kind of like perfectly kind of sprinkled in. And like you said, the kind of like that low light feel kind of matches the like the thematics of what's going on but like also kind of like the the slight camera movements and angles he chooses to dis display these comedians and because this i mean the stand-up yeah, dolly the, operator on this on this feature deserves 
the world. Yeah, because oh, the, yeah. the, 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 the stand-up here alone is funny enough to be a masterpiece film. And it's you know you set up a camera, you have Bernie Mac talking for thirty minutes. It's going to be great regardless. But you know we were talking about the immersiveness of this movie it is like i love because these are you know pretty physical comedians they do act outs they yeah. do uh they do a lot of th they play music they do a lot of things on stage it's not just straight comedy and like the way the camera will anticipate those movements kind of move with them and yeah. kind of it's very carefully put a, put an emphasis on that joke it is you know it, it takes it's the difference between you know stand-up special directors and an actual seasoned director like Spike Lee adding flourishes to just really make it, you know, uh, to, like, almost punch up the jokes to, yeah. like, uh, give them yes, more support yes. that they don't even need. But w when you have that on top of it, it just uh, it multiplies. There's even the special effect when Cedric the Entertainer makes a Matrix oh, that's reference so sick. and does the act out where uh, uh -huh. it, like, doubles his image ghosting him kind of to make it look like the bullet time thing. And just little things like that. That's obviously a little over the top, but it's very funny. But, you know, camera movements are just knowing exactly how to cut something, uh, how to use, you know, a cut as a punctuation on top of the punctuation that is a punchline uh, or when you're working with someone who doesn't have punchlines but is just crazy like Steve Harvey uh, Steve Harvey's hosting in this is fucking insane his second chunk which is like 10 minutes long it starts with more of a traditional stand-up bit about how rap is bad because the old school songs were about love and rap is yeah. about killing people uh, which you know whatever take it as you will but then it just goes into like eight minutes of him playing songs that he oh, likes and, it's <laughs> and it might be the best part of the movie it I is mean, yeah, it's yeah, other yeah. than the birdie wax set this yeah. is the best part of the movie he is just hyping up songs kind of lip singing there's one clip where he kicks over both the stool and the mic stand and like it's a jackie chan movie you get then another angle of him kicking down the mic stand again <laughs> and he's just going fucking wild uh it is so good it is steve at his most magnetic uh it is fantastic this motherfucker cried through the whole goddamn record this one here is the greatest love song Speaking of those edits, you can tell that this movie, like whoever was in the edit editing bay, was having a lot of fun, okay. and that's always a great thing to see. Yeah, you have to be with something like this. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were fucking cackling in there. Yeah, so good. Um, so yeah, Steve does his thing a couple times, but the first comic to come out is, of course, D.L. Hughley, which I think is kind of the objective weak link here. The but he was good. He was he's good. good enough. I, 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 of course, I disagree with that completely. He's, which, he's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, which, okay which, go ahead. Go which, ahead. Yeah, yeah. You, I just wasn't laughing all that much. That's all. I, I was just, laughing. I've seen this movie twice, and I never laugh that much at D.L. Hughley's bits. His act-outs are pretty funny. It's all pretty His act-outs are though. fantastic, but everything else is, yeah, whatever. I mean, the, the, the how, do, uh, how black guys get fired bit... <laughs> Like it's it's a fantastic bit, but you've seen it so much that it kind of loses its potency. Yeah, because it's so quotable. It's 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 really perfect. Oh, I'm uh, always maybe it is a victim of its own success. Success, huh? Oh no, I just said that I'm always quoting that one. <laughs>
<laughs> but uh, yeah, I oh, love yeah. getting the little behind the scenes stuff. Of course, the documentary aspects of it, whether it's the radio oh, interview. For sure. I love Cedric's uh, backstage, like choosing which suit he's going to wear. And like, it's a little bit self-serious <laughs> at first. And then he's like, oh, I got to start being funny now. Like, I'm going to do like a fake opera voice in the bathroom and, you know, be a goofball. Because I think he might have got a little self-conscious about how like delicate he was about his wardrobe. It was very funny to see that, <laughs> that honesty from him about like... Like, I have to retire this suit tonight. I can't do it. You know, <laughs> this suit's not it for tonight. <laughs> uh, and Cedric's set, you know, more than anyone relies on act outs and like music cues and stuff like that. And it really, I mean, his name's Cedric the Entertainer. He really is just like pulling out all the full stops on this one. It's really so many cues and everything whether you know lighting sound camera cues everything like that according to tracking his act outs which are always fucking insane uh he's he's always more physical than i think he is it always takes me by surprise it sets a lot of fun but Uh, then oh go ahead no i i I was there's just like uh there's a concept that i think also harvey talks about at the beginning in the Titanic where <laughs> white people dying all at the same time. And I think Cedric, the entertainer also brings yeah, it's up like the same kind of, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, yeah. but I, I love there. that comedic, like this kind of like comedic concept is like white, you know, white people will, they'll just all die at the same time. <laughs> like, this, like totally, you know, yeah. black people, they'll, they'll scramble, you know, they'll run, they'll run away. And, it, and it's just, it's such a, <laughs> don't know what it means. <laughs> It's such a funny, like, you know, you think of, like, racial humor. It is, like, and there's a lot of, like, you know, race, racist humor of, like, you know, white people railing against whatever race or whatever. The lesser known stereotypes are always kind of the, the funniest ones because it's, like, just, sure. like, you know, you, you're, like, who, I don't. Give me I some examples. Well, no, but it's it's just, like, that's how <laughs> I, feel, I don't hear about that often. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, white white people are more likely to die. All of like, they'll, they'll die in groups. You know, that's I don't know. I just like a left field, left field yeah. racial humor like that. Uh, Bernie Mac set is fantastic. Uh, this is a guy who didn't have like stellar a solo comedy special. Yeah. So kind of like the, the Bernie Mac canon is kind of this and deaf comedy jam. Uh, which has some of the, like, also that one is very reliant on music cues more than his set here, which isn't. Uh, but that one, of course, you know, look that up if you haven't seen it. You, know. you don't understand. This one is a bit more personal than that, whereas that is a five-minute thing of him just saying that he has a lot of sex because he has a big dick and isn't afraid of people. Yeah. This one he <laughs> talks about his family situation, which is also the setup for his sitcom that would come later. And it's really amazing. I mean, you could really replace the pilot of the sitcom with this 40-minute chunk of comedy, and it would work just as well. Yeah. Uh, it like tells the same narrative, and it's a narrative that he clearly has a lot of personal stake in and that he's crafted so well, and he cares so much about these people, even if he is calling his nephew homophobic slurs throughout. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I came in the house the other day, man, at 1.30 in the morning. The two-year-old going to send the faggot downstairs. For some milk and cookies. I'm going upstairs, he coming down, he gonna walk past me like I'm a visitor. I said, where you going? He said, to get some milk and cookies. He said it so funny, I wanted to hear it again. I said, get some what? He said, some milk and cookies. I love the motherfucker, but he's a faggot, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh. 
<laughs> so good. <laughs> I also love Amazing. that he, he begins this all just saying that he will murder a child. Like, oh, yeah. It's like, I'll, like, fuck, kids I'll, I'll uh, fuck kids I'll up. I'll fuck yeah. kids up. Which is funny because that was like Louis C.K.'s whole thing for like five years. He was like, yeah, my kids are assholes. You yeah. Know? Uh, Bernie Mac just came right out the gate like, I'll fuck kids up. Also kind of like <laughs> a good like kind of spin. On, I don't know which if this is before or after the... I ain't afraid of you motherfuckers, but I love how he's like, I'm fucking, I'm sick of fucking, you know, yeah, you get, you get, you get, you get three minutes and that's three it. Minutes. You don't come while I'm fucking. Yeah. That, that's, that's such a <laughs> sick move to just be like, I'm, I'm over it. Yeah, it's, dude, you he went a uh, Rivers Cuomo mode, tired of sex. Oh God. <laughs> don't compare that, that fraud to the, the God. Dude, that is Bernie the Mac. opposite levels of humanity <laughs> there. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it, it, what can you say? It's the Bernie Mac set. You just have to watch it. There's there's a level that we can get into talking about this on the level of it as a movie, but as a stand-up collection, it's like, yeah, it's all funny. There's not much else to say. I mean, yeah, I think I like kind of like the, because everything's kind of segmented, kind of like with D.L. Hughley mm -hmm. and Harvey and like kind of, uh, I do kind of like that we kind of end on Mac because he's like kind of like the dirtiest, maybe yeah. you know what I mean. More raunchy. and by far the best. Yeah, he's yeah. Like the, the I, headliner. Yeah, yeah. He's the best for sure. I mean, Harvey Harvey's up there for sure. Harvey's, Harvey's great. Harvey's funny, kind of in a, in a different way. Max kind of like a, you know, just straight classics and like I, it kind of, uh, you know, less crowd work with Mac too. Like I, I think I think that's what kind of pairs it down to like the bare essentials at the end, and mm -hmm. even kind of like, you know, in the credits where it kind of it kind of cuts to Mac and. They're asking like, you know, how do you think he did? Or no? Well, that's before. Or, oh, yeah. oh, yeah, that's the yeah. immediate cut. But, yeah, after. yeah, but then he's talking about it afterward. That yeah, it kind of like emotionally ends with Mac being like, "What do you? How do you think it did?" I don't know. I, I like I like that move. I feel like it. Mm -hmm. Like I like the idea. You know, and I'm sure this is a reflection of how the show worked. Obviously, so this is maybe more credit to them than maybe Lee. But like. I like kind of spreading Harvey throughout that we mm -hmm. get Harvey like twice instead of just one time and then you know sandwiching him in between DL and like just letting the Cedric and Bernie Mac sets kind of run proper it was it's a it's a good formatting they yeah. really had that show you know down and I mean the crowd just absolutely loving it is adds like a whole nother layer of it too just because how crazy everyone's going in there I love that final, like, initial post-credit beat of them on a basketball court doing impressions of, like, Avery Johnson and Phil Jackson. And uh, Steve Harvey says that he's, like, Gary Payton, uh, yeah. which is very good. <laughs> <laughs> then there's a picture of him. I, I was watching Payton. that, and I thought, oh, my God, this is uh, the, the most extended clip scene I've ever seen in my yeah. fucking life. <laughs> <laughs> Just compared doing basketball comps. You can't do that with stand-ups anymore. Yeah. Who, who, who are you going to compare? Oh, freaking, uh, I don't even know who a stand-up is. Yeah, anymore. I don't. I'm, I'm Who's not a stand-up these days? Uh, Sebastian Maniscalco. Oh, Maniscalco is like, uh, like Danilo Gallinari. <laughs> no, Maniscalco. both Italian. Maniscalco is like fucking Jordan. Well, there's, the fucking there's no stand-up anymore because everyone's doing podcasts, right? That's like, true. Uh, you, you have, have to do podcasters, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then it's just like all the podcasts I listen to are about basketball. So that doesn't really, it's like worlds collide too much. I can't say like, oh, Zach Lowe is like the Steph Curry of podcasting. <laughs> Draymond Green's definitely the Bill Maher of the league for sure. <laughs> okay. That is a great comparison. <laughs> Very Maherian. Yeah. No, Draymond's podcast might as well be called Club Random After Hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we are going to wrap up here. I love this movie. I give it four bullets.
give it, I give it five bullets just because I, I, I think the stand-up is so so strong. Like, I'm just, I, I'm laughing throughout and... So I'm kind of maybe even rating it more on like a like a stand-up special level maybe than a movie level. You know what I mean? And then just having the flourishes that Lee brings to it just brings it over the top. So I, I can't find any flaws with it. JT? Yeah, I'm going uh, for Bullet as well. I think it's just like one of the best uh, live performances ever recorded. Like, uh, I, I don't know. There's just, like, the comedians obviously just, like, such at the top of their game. And the way, like, Spike is able to, like, subtly, like, just, like, get it all, like, pitch perfect. Like, knowing when to, like, go wide with, like, some of Cedric's, like, act outs. When to go, like, closer in to, like, really nail, like, some of their, like, facial expressions is so perfect. Like, the whole event, like... The 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 uh, stadium is huge. The suits are huge. Like there are points where like uh, the camera is like kind of low angle. Like I think under like I, I think I noticed it at the beginning the most. Like under Steve and you see like the original Kings like banner like just behind him and it's just like I don't know. It's everything just like emphasizes the big style of performance and just like them being like the, the fucking killing it it's a great time palma what about you it's a fantastic like it, I, I, when you i think of like a a comedy special like this is the gold standard like what everything else has to be uh measured against for the rest of of time honestly like it, it, it's uh, it's it's a fantastic special as as a comedy special it's it's the high water mark for sure as a movie as a show uh it's very entertaining on the same level that like I, the aforementioned uh stop making sense is entertaining or uh hell's a poppin is entertaining or a really good musical you know musical theater uh, or a really good you know uh, really, 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 really good uh, comedy show. Because mm-hmm. the fucking like everything about it, like the the set design is is insane, and uh, it doesn't really get described a lot or talked about too much. But it is out of this world, blinked out. Um, the the um, the costumes, obviously, the getups are insane. The drip is immaculate. Uh, they better fucking bring the mop out after every <laughs> every set change. Because my God, uh, the drip was was uh, on another level that night. And uh, yeah, no, like there's there's really not much else to say except it's it's the best fucking movie of all time uh, since Hell's a Poppin for sure. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. One and two right here. What was I gonna say? Yeah, I, I was gonna say it's a you know very interesting double feature. Now that I think about it, about bringing theatricality to cinema, like bringing one form to another, because both of these are essentially theater pieces mm-hmm. that are brought to life through the power cinema the power right it, it brings you in uh on, on the joke it, it, it includes the audience in, in in a way that is not uh usual in movies like um or, or is not really welcomed in movies mm-hmm. uh and, and it really hasn't been for a long long time uh, and i think it's it's time to bring that back i i, I think uh something like i don't know avatar kind of gets uh like there in a very similar way where you really don't have any other choice but to be uh, vocal with your feelings about that movie in the theater 
uh, you pump your fist in the air when they fucking sink the the big whaling ship and shit like that or, or whatever. You know, it, it things like that. You know, it, it makes you act. It makes you feel something. Yeah, and it's a lot easier those, to do that uh, when you're included in the actions. Yeah, you huh? see some of those reef women, you might uh, spill your Sprite. Yeah. <laughs> like Absolutely. No, I think I think just thinking of like stand-up specials and like kind of like um, audience participation and how like that's a big part of this double feature. I think what also brings this over the top just on a stand-up special level to if you know if we're going to do that or if I'm just doing it, you know, separating specials from movies. Mm-hmm. It is like uh how much the crowd is into this oh, yeah. is unparalleled. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I've never seen in a special. I mean, this is like fucking the Elvis. The crowd shit. heating up Steve DJing yeah. essentially is like that is enough proof that like these guys could rule a crowd more yeah. than anyone. Yeah. But it's, I, I don't know. It is, it, they add extra level to it where it is like Steve Harvey will just play like a love song. He's like, it's isn't it great you know you're no one without love and everyone's like it's a it's not just a comedic experience it's like these people are on a pure you know euphoria spree you know what i mean it's and it's uh, like a grateful dead concert in a way totally and like uh i guess you know there's most specials just don't don't have that they don't have that Mm -hmm. little level of like audience participation you know well, so. there, a lot of times the people are too you know uh shy to be that bombastic in their presentation yeah exactly like think about the kind of flip side of the coin to this a couple years later the comedians of comedy which was like the <laughs> alt, yes the alt comedy version of this which i believe is like Patton oswalt sarah silverman brian Posey, will forte uh maybe will for maybe someone else though i don't think will forte was like a stand-up no stand-up. i'm kidding no, oh. no it's not <laughs> it will was, forte. No, that would be hilarious <laughs> but it was it was like but, yeah, silverman Posey, uh what's his name nerd guy uh Patton Oswald. zach galifianakis and galifianakis yes yes the best of them all of course i i saw the the lineup while doing the research for this because i was like oh yeah there, there's like a lot of these blanks of comedy yeah. you know shows like which ones and i saw this one i was like well, why the fuck is zach g on with these losers yeah, yeah no i mean that was the state of you know that was literally alternative comedy the, it's like alternative to what sheesh. well it was alternative to black people i guess yeah or like uh <laughs> then there's like the redneck kings of comedy there was right? yeah with, yeah there was like the red foxworthy yeah Angle. of course the blue collar kings of comedy blue collar yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah, blue collar comedians yeah, yeah. They i bet that's I, you know what I'm going to give a blind recommendation. I bet that's sick. I bet that's a good one. I guess it is, yeah, alternative to both hicks and black people. Uh, Yeah. So that's going to be the end of comedy talk. Yeah. Uh, uh, Just just thought all four of us were all the original kings of podcasting. We are the original kings of podcasting. Yeah. just want to get that out there a quick email this week this one uh you can always email us of course at extended clip podcast at gmail.com this one comes from a guy named jack g you know what i'm not gonna assume anything here this one comes from a listener named jack g hello eddie malcolm and jt you guys are probably the only film pad yeah film podcast i listen to because the rest of those boneheads ain't funny anyway i wanted to ask you all and it may be a little personal what Uh-oh. do you guys do outside of the podcast i'm specifically oh, no. a- I'm speci- <laughs> i know right i'm specifically asking if any of you work in the industry or a related field uh there's a couple bonuses here let's just let's answer this real quick Malcolm, what do you do outside the pod? Uh, yeah, I do, I do a little work in the film industry, you know, uh, low-level work. 
All right, yeah. JT, what do you do outside the pod? Uh, just busting nuts and breaking my back. Yeah. But uh, yeah. not in the film industry. Yeah, same. I, you know, I'm, 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 well, actually, I'm not really busting nuts at work. That would probably be not exactly uh, smiled upon. Are you not getting any at work, bro? No, no, no. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I work in the uh, the art department on uh, several uh, television shows and commercials for the most part. Palma, what do you do? What's your deal? Oh, uh, right now I'm just uh, I'm hanging out. I'm, I work in uh, like a sh- bullshit email job doing nice. uh, like procurement. I uh, love while I finish emails. my degree, and then eventually I will continue doing a bullshit email job for the rest of my life. Uh, e- email jobs sound great because, like, this segment is the easy. I if I could get paid to read emails, that would be <laughs> fantastic. Yes. Uh, bonus uh, statement: Y'all should run this pod until the foreseeable future. Uh, sure. I don't know. Uh, bonus someone wants to bankroll. You know, yeah, someone exactly. wants to buy us out. You know, you, you got know. a Brinks truck to back yeah, up. Yeah, we need. We'll, we'll sell our shit to the highest bidder. Uh, bonus statement two: Hey, Malcolm, tone oh. down, eh? tone down the <laughs> cuntiness <laughs> on Twitter, homie. All right, I, I, Eddie. Eddie said too personal here, right? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, you want to know what I my job is? I refuse to believe that this is a real person. What the hell? It's funny they didn't call out Eddie. I agree, JT. Call Say that to my fucking Eddie's... face and not, not on email, bitch, and find out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. First, uh, uh, first of all, say it to my face on Twitter, yeah, not on not yeah, on email. Fucking talk to me if you have a fucking problem with me, you fucking pussy. Um, and s- send me some examples of what you think is bad behavior. I'll inspect your timeline and we could uh, compare notes and see what type of people we really are. Because that's a, I, th- you know, I think this is a, I think this this is a thing though. I think there's a lot of people who listen to the podcast. But don't like my specifically my presence on Twitter because I'm <laughs> I might be pushing up against too many norms. I guess I don't I don't know I don't know what it is. But, uh, I just, You're uh, testing too many boundaries. I mean, it's yeah. this this is a complete the, Twitter doesn't exist on this podcast. As no, far this as is I'm not concerned. a Twitter podcast. Yeah, so no. so um, it's kind of I don't know, man. That's kind of a, a it's kind rude, of a weird question. It's kind of a rude thing to say to someone. <laughs> I, 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 hope I would actually say it's kind yeah. of a cunty question. To, cunty to to repurpose a phrase that he. Used. I don't. Here's another thing. I don't say the word cunt. All right. That's like. <laughs> what, what is what is? Uh, I don't care if it's, you're from. Like, first of all, coochie is very scary to me. Yeah. Need <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to say it, but a man calling another man cunty feels a little, you know. Cunt, I mean, saying sus, like cunt is like it's just yeah. like what is. I'm you want to press pause on that and press play on the podcast. I'm from California, bro. We don't say cunt around here, all right? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like a lame thing. I don't know. I, I feel like Ladies Americans never the quite females got... respecter has logged on. Yeah, mm-hmm. true. This is in defense of You know, maybe you should not use that word because of woman, dude. You ever think about that? Yeah. So, well, you. I guess you want. You got to rise out of well, this. Well, I so. mean, I get, yeah. look, if, <laughs> if you want to sound like that, that's fine. Yeah, man. We're fucking, dude, we're fucking, we're fucking pissed oh, off, dude. You fucking, 
You fucking got us, dude. We're, this guy got to we're, us. We're, we're, we're fucking pissed this off. This guy got dude. to us. This is bad. Dude, uh, we will, fu- we, you we will take, find you. We will find you. We, we will send people to Doxu. We will, if you're married, we'll get And we will divorced. give you a big kiss. And you, we'll want, be, you want and me to be, read the email address? And we'll be sending Dox you. this motherfucker? Yeah, dude. <laughs> dude hey, hey, the email address <laughs> appears to be a first and last name. I, ba- you know? ooh, here's the bad news, pal. You're going to jail. We found some shit on you, and we're, you're going to fucking jail. Yeah, I'm putting the first and last name into the Google machine. Beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop. Oh, a local sex offender has logged on. We're not, no, not liking that. We're not fucking around anymore. Our enemies are going straight to prison. Solitary <laughs> confinement, all right? We're on the, the right side of the law. Respect the blue line. We're sending you to jail. <laughs> Any detractors are going to fucking jail. <laughs> That's going to do it for this week's podcast. Uh, next time we will be talking to our old friend Rob Franco, going baby mode, talking about Bambi alongside Eternity and a Day. That's wow. gonna be a fun one. That's a yeah. that's, that's baby than straight grown up mode. Oh, we're, we, we're gonna grow our small asses up and fucking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, let's grow up for once. Yeah, uh, Palma, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, buddy. Oh, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. Uh, is there anything you would like to promote for the people to check you out on the internet? Yes. Uh, as corny as this sounds, uh, check out my SoundCloud, question mark. Uh, no, check out my website, uh, palma.ltd. Um, I uh, set myself a goal of putting up a Radio Palma with uh, liner notes and uh, wonderful links for further exploration. People keep asking me, like, hey, Max, where do you find this music? Or how how did you get to it? Or why is it important? Actually, they, they, they don't ask me the last part. But um, <laughs> uh, but I, I do like to write about, you know, like how, how, how this music uh, moves people, especially, I guess, myself, since that's the only, you know, point of view that I really have. But uh, you know, a, a lot of it have uh, or has some sort of meaning to the person who made it, and I'd like to uh, sprinkle it with a little bit of that. Um, so, if you ever wanted to know what uh, studio musicians in Hamburg were listening in the seventies uh, while they were smoking weed between sessions, uh, you can probably chalk it up to like some weird Brazilian music or something. Very cool stuff. I will put the link to that in the description yeah, of the episode. And that's, you know, it gets a co-sign from me. I've listened to this guy's playlist. He knows great disco, dance, etc. Yeah. Good shit, man. Very good shit. Check yeah, you out. know what? We might even go out on a little Palma oh, special here. Palma, yeah. Uh, oh, hell yeah. We'll, uh, we'll drop a track from the Infinite Disco. and uh, Oh, please, you please. Know, we, we, we will do that to promote the musical tastes. And yeah. maybe that's a, little, that's a little time maybe to introduce... A little concept to the podcast. This isn't this isn't coming right away. This isn't coming right away, but just something to dig your heels in. I know we have this uh, this eighteen episode timeline structure going, but another thing we're going to introduce soon is a little mini series about two of our favorite mediums, media combining music and movies. We're going to be talking about some music movies, whether it be. Rockumentaries, yeah. uh, concert films, uh, films starring musicians and uh, hip hoppers, uh, you know, all <laughs> kinds of stuff. We got we got we got great guests already lined up. 
Uh, I'm not going to tease the guests yet, but we got great guests lined up. A couple great subjects. Uh, ever heard of the movie 24 Hour Party People? I think we're going to dip our toes into that. Ooh, a yeah, we're going to you know, going to dip our toes go. into some concert films. You know, we're going to do a couple of live performances on the pod ourselves. We are. I'm busting to... out my uh, six string, my and uh, my old bow fiddle. Yeah, <laughs> I'm bringing out the washboard. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. Oh boy, yeah. <laughs> Malcolm's bringing out the washboard. We're gonna do drifting too far from the shore. We're only gonna be playing like '30s uh, religious country. It's gonna be great. Yeah. Well, if you guys get the Grateful Dead movie on there, please ping my line. Oh I'd be happy boy. to come on. Yeah, yeah. Palma, I love you just as much as I hate the Grateful Dead. And that's, uh, Damn. that's the note Damn. Gonna, That's the note we're gonna end. You know, as Malcolm has said many times, there's a thin line between love and hate. Absolutely. So, <laughs> love me, love me all winter, hate me all summer. That's what I. <laughs> to be honest, to be fair, that that is how I feel about the band. So. <laughs> oh God. Well, thank you for listening, and thank you to Palma again. Goodbye. Satisfaction requires more than one. Well, I'm gonna do it the best I can And hope I do it to your expectation If I don't, then I'll just try it again And hope I do it that causes inflation Okay, bye It's been a long time coming to you With open mind and an open heart This love I have, I wanna give it to you You don't understand I know you don't understand Women just do anything to you, talk to you any kind of way you want to talk to somebody. It don't make no motherfucking sense. I'm in a bar minding my business, cooling out, just being cool, like I am, chilling. Woman gonna come to me, this she's gonna ask you any goddamn thing she wanna do. She said, Mac, I said, yeah, that's my name. She said, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. She says, does pussy taste like pumpkin pie? Made me mad as hell. Don't ask me no damn question like that. I ain't never had no pocket pie. Kick it! You don't understand. I'm from the old school, I'll kick a kid's ass. When a kid get one years old, I believe you got the right to hit him in the throat or the stomach. There's an old joke. Ha um. <laughs> ha you miss me, you need glasses. Well, that's essentially how I feel about life. Full of loneliness and misery and suffering and unhappiness and it's all over much too quickly. 
the, the other important joke for me is one that's uh, usually attributed to Groucho Marx, but I think it appears originally in Freud's wit and its relation to the unconscious. And it goes like this, I'm paraphrasing. Um, so can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. She says, does pussy taste like pumpkin pie? <laughs> Made me mad as hell. I said, don't ask me no damn question like that. I ain't never had no pumpkin pie. That's the key joke of my adult life in terms of my relationships with women. You know?